I can do things that wear it without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the fascinating world of theme park design, that is. You've just stepped aboard a voyage of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and swabbing the deck with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer of Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where are we headed to today, Mel? Well, Freddie, today we're going to need a bigger boat, a much bigger boat, because today uh, our guest is the chief of guest experiences at Carnival Cruise Line, Anthony Esparza. At Carnival, Anthony navigates the fun on the surface of the ocean, but before that, he took guests deeper as the chief creative officer for SeaWorld Parks around the world. Uh, But he's also as comfortable on land as he is at sea, having spent about a dozen years guiding guest experiences at Hershen Family Entertainment, uh, including Dollywood, uh, and in another uh, near decade designing world-class attractions and environments for Paramount Parks. Yep, Anthony is one of those unique leaders who brings a natural understanding of people and place that continues to transform this experience industry. All right, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. All right, Mel, can I be honest? Um, (laughs) I hope I can. So we, you know, are breaking the fourth wall here a little bit. We pretend to be on a skipper boat. I don't know if our listeners really think that we're going out on a jungle boat to meet these people. We're really just at Storyland Studios recording and and doing these things. It's kind of a jungle out here. It is a jungle out here. So um, now we've got uh, our next guest is... uh, high up (laughs) leading the charge and creative and guest experiences for, uh, Carnival Cruises. And so I'm a, I'm a little bit, you know, out of my depth here. A little bitty boat going to this big giant boat. Um, so uh, I'm excited about the cruise ship to start talking about Carnival Cruises and what uh, Anthony's doing. But a little bit, like, I want to talk to you about, hey, man, this hasn't been, uh, cruise lines have been, yes, the leisure industry, but they're really taking on a theme park um, discussion here in the industry, you know, over the past 20 20 so or so years. Well, you know, I think it's cool. I, Anthony and I are pretty good friends, and I know for him, it's still relatively new. He's still drinking out of a uh, fire hose, <laughs> and um, and the reality is that you know that initial shock of uh, the differences, I think, is settling into a realization that you know it's really more different vocabulary and different languages. But at the end of the day, there's far more parallels, I think, than than uh, either one of us you know kind of imagined uh, as he was making that transition from, quote, land and, and uh, yeah. inland-based uh, ocean-themed experiences to actual uh, uh, aboard-the-boat experiences. Um, you know, personally for me, as we've kind of bridged 
things like, uh, you know, bridge the divide between, for example, hotels with the Grand California Hotel being in a Disney theme park with uh, some of our team members working on things like the Star Wars Land Hotel, uh, even things like Great Wolf Lodges uh, operating year round. Um, and, and, and really uh, needing to um, kind of contain a full entertainment uh, leisure experience in, a, in one conditioned bubble yeah. or box. Um, to me, that analogy, that analogy of stationary cruise lines uh, or cruise ships is, is uh, really appropriate when you think of uh, some of the, the, the new directions that our industry is going into. Uh, again, take that Star Wars uh, hotel uh, as an example, um, it's definitely not just an eight-hour day theme park experience. And I know that's been something I've been trying to push uh, through my whole career is that it doesn't have to just be a nine-to-five or yeah. a ten to, ten to ten, you know, however long, long your, your kid's little legs can keep on walking, <laughs> that, uh, again, you could uh, still be immersed as you're having dinner, as you're going to bed, as you're waking up from that REM uh, sleep state and still be in that uh, reality. And so I think... Um, the geography is less of a bigger deal than uh, than uh, um, than we would uh, originally imagine. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, excited to talk to Anthony. Um, we've been trying to get him on the program for a long time. We just wanted to be face to face with him, um, and uh, it's you know he was one of the first people on your list. He's he's. Today, he's the chief of guest guest experiences on Carnival Cruise Lines. He's uh, been a consultant for people throughout the industry. Um, Chief creative officer at SeaWorld Parks, chief creative officer at Hershen Family Entertainment for a dozen years, Um, and before that, Paramount Parks. I mean, this is a guy with uh, a real strong um, background and really understands what this industry is and where it's going. Well, even before that, I mean, he was... I think he started his career off as, as like a model maker within yeah. Landmark Entertainment, which is a, a name that's kind of almost forgotten yeah, right. uh, these days. Before. But um, back in the day, that was one of the only uh, providers of themed attraction entertainment, of former Imagineers, like what we do at Storyland Studios yeah. now. It was one of the only... Uh, uh, Imagineering spatial storytelling operations that was available to uh, non-Disney clients or even back to uh, Disney uh, and Universal. And, uh, you know, he was really a key leader there at Landmark for a lot of years before he even uh, jumped ship and went over to Charlotte and Paramount Park. So um, I've gotten to know him over, boy, almost a, the last decade Um and boy, I'm I'm trying to <laughs> remember. I think that uh, I first met him when he was at Hershend at, at Dollywood, and we just had a lot of mutual friends that said, "You guys have got to get to know each other. You got a lot of core shared values and uh, common passions." And uh, it really was just a great friendship. It turned into really kind of more of a mentoring uh, uh, opportunity for me to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he had connected the dots of a couple of key hires that I've made over the years, including his son at one point. Wow. Um, which was just a, an awesome opportunity to not only to work with a great young individual uh, in Andrew, uh, but also to kind of understand uh, the way that Anthony as a dad spoke into his son and imparted his passion. Uh, and that was really just a, a powerful for, thing for me to see as a, as a, a, a younger dad, I guess, slightly younger dad um, with, uh, with all of my kids. But, but beyond that, um, to be able to kind of uh, see things around the world 
uh, with Anthony to follow his career as he's moved on. And then we've been able to collaborate on a few things. Uh, and most recently, uh, the session that we were just in, we've been uh, uh, sharing this passion for moving the industry towards this, uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later, this idea of purpose-driven uh, design, that uh, mm -hmm. there's a little bit more uh, to uh, the, the tools of the trade that we have uh, in experience design uh, than just fun and games. It's something I actually got to speak yeah. on Monday uh, at the convention here, uh, the idea that there's this shift, that people are hungry for things of, that, that create kind of more of a transformation uh, inside as well as a, a changing of the world, you know, that uh, things can have a little more significance and intentionality. Uh, and um, we're, we're so blessed to see little projects like our poverty encounter experience uh, get awarded with that the award that people recognize there there's some value to this thing that isn't just about you know return on investment for corporate shareholders it's not just yeah. about yeah. fun factor or adrenaline rushes that are here today gone tomorrow but again this idea that uh, you can actually move the needle forward in in, in terms of uh, transformation so we're excited to, to collaborate on that uh, we just uh, again um, have, over the last few years, have started this really powerful way to kind of cap off the the IAPA week with this uh, international prayer breakfast. So uh, we just had uh, another mutual friend, Mario Mammon, and his uh, beautiful wife, uh, Dr. Cynthia Mammon, uh, kind of share their story in being the Walt Disney, uh, Walt and Lillian Disney of the Pacific, <laughs> out at Enchanted Kingdom uh, in the Philippines, and yeah. what an inspirational journey. Um, and so again, I'm so thankful for. Uh, both Anthony, his uh, family, and the, and the friends that he's uh, introduced me to. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's you can really tell uh, from the interview that we're going to get to that that is his passion, um, is uh, like sort of locking on to mission. Uh, no spoilers, uh, but in this uh, interview, Anthony starts talking about core brand story or mission behind uh, what a, a, a themed entertainment enterprise can be. Um, you know, I, I wanted to dig in with that with you. So... Um, how do you think that uh, theme parks, specifically theme parks, or, or let's go out on the ocean, the theme parks on the water, um, how do they hit or miss when it comes to understanding and expressing their core mission? Well, uh, again, I think um, we, we think of mission as more than just a, a collection of wordsmith uh, yeah, words, right. you know, on a, on, a, on a piece of paper or on a poster yeah. hanging on a wall. I mean, I, I tend to just naturally think of it, again, as, as, a, as narrative, as story. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, for us, that simple definition of story of looking at the, the characters, the plot, the setting, where those overlap, uh, and really what is it that keeps that that storyline moving forward, that, that plot line moving forward. Uh, and it's something that, you know, you should be able to rally your employees around, your mm -hmm. guests, your customers, whatever you want to call them. Everyone gets excited to kind of move that that story forward. Um, again, whether it's uh, Disney and, and helping families make memories together. Um, you know, every, every um, organization has a different DNA and mission and story. Uh, there's just a, a different feeling that you get right. when you step into uh, a Universal City Walk, for example, versus uh, going across the Seven Seas Lagoon. Uh, and, you know, it's a, just a completely different emotional journey, right? right. Um, and um, not that one's better, one's, you know, but they're vastly different. I was actually on a, a Blue Sky workshop yesterday with a client, and we were talking about uh, kind of corporate environmental branding, if you will. Uh, and, and they were kind of um, in a mode of, well, you know, once you figured out your color, your font, your logos, you know, 
you should just slap that everywhere. Yeah, right. And it was a, a very, uh, I call it a retarded <laughs> view of placemaking, um, but it, it's very a rudimentary concept of what consistency of brand is. And mm. and can you imagine if you went to, to Disney World, 45 square miles of the same, you know. Yeah, same color, same. Disney <laughs> font in the same color scheme. You know, there's no way. But but when you apply uh, to, to a, a larger canvas like that um, and you know what your core mission is, you can still have a continuity and consistency of guest experience. And even something simpler like Starbucks, just serving coffee. Yeah. They do that in lots of different contexts, right? From a suburban drive-through context to uh, downtown Seattle, Pike Street Market. You yeah. know, there's there's lots of different settings that that, that works in, whether it's stacked shipping containers. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, there's a, a co- continuity of experience they've been able to create around that idea, uh, in the case of Starbucks, uh, around that idea of creating that third place uh, environment that is available uh, to Europeans on the public square in Piazza, but in, in uh, 20... First century America was was often missing in suburbia. Yeah. Uh, and um, anyways, I don't want to yeah, <laughs> go yeah, yeah. too off on a deep end yeah. on that. But again, I think knowing what the heart of your your story, your DNA is is so key to to, to being true. Uh, and again, um, I think Main Street USA is still the best example of that. Of Walt inviting the world to step into his childhood. It was such a personal. Mm-hmm thing that's really held the, the test of time. Um, and it's just so different than just lawyers going out and trying to gobble up whatever IP they, they can <laughs> you know buy and trying to hand that over to a design team and, and say, cobble something together here. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's do this. It's time to muster on the deck in our orange life vests for our safety briefing for this giant cruise line episode. It's off to Orlando, Florida the lobby of the IAPA Expo for our interview with Anthony Esparza. Well, I am so excited. One of the first guests that uh, we thought about having uh, on the show uh, was a good friend of mine, Anthony Esparza, who has also been kind of uh, more than just a friend, really a mentor, uh, one of the genuine gurus in our uh, humble little industry and also one of the most humble guys that uh, you'll ever meet. Uh, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to, to, to corral him. Uh, part of it is he is a man on the move. Uh, he's uh, uh, been everywhere, uh, lived in lots of different places, uh, most recently in South Florida, but uh, we catch them wherever we can. So here we are uh, <laughs> at the close of IAPA, uh, catching up with our good friend, Anthony Esparza. Thanks for being oh, on the thank show. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, what a journey uh, it has been for you. Yeah, it seems nonstop, you know, but you know, when I look back, I can't, re- I, 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 it's amazing to think that it's been over 30 years doing this. And, uh, and you look, I, I feel like I just started <laughs> and, and I, I love it. You know, the, like you, I see it in your eyes, you know, looking at you right now, <laughs> you know, we love our industry and we love serving guests and coming up with these crazy ideas that we do and finding ways to work with our friends and have a purpose behind the things that we, we put together. And it's, uh, it's nonstop, but we're going at it. Well, you know, it really kind of brings it to home. We just actually got out of our room with uh, Mario and Cynthia Mammon, who I think of as the Walt Disney of the Pacific, uh, you know, the founders of uh, um, Enchanted Kingdom uh, in Philippines. And he was sharing how, uh, you know, 
just breaking into the industry. Uh, the very first person he talked to was uh, Landmark Entertainment back in the day uh, where you were. And now they're celebrating their 25th anniversary, quarter century. So, yeah, that's uh, amazing. Like I said, you, you've got some roots here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, originally, I, I grew up in Los Angeles and uh, I went to UCLA and got a design degree there. And, you know, right out of school, I was, of course, thinking, I'm going to go work for Disney. And that's what I want to go do. And then, of course, I walk over there and everybody's walking out the other way because they had just had their big layouts from Epcot Center and had this weird little lunch with Mark Davis, you know, famous designer guy. And he said, you don't want to work for Disney. You want to go work for these new guys who just sort of left here and started Landmark wow. Entertainment. Yeah. And uh, I started as a model builder, just watching everybody pitch projects and learn how to present and make artwork magical and and then uh, you know over time I, I I learned it and off we went yeah that that's super so uh, tell, tell me about uh, that uh, the the next phases of your life as you kind of moved into leadership and uh, you know we talked about earlier hey you got to learn how to do spreadsheet you know there there's all these different yeah, disciplines you know, that you it's had funny to... you know you, you only appreciate it when you look backwards right but yeah. at the time you know my goals are to build cool attractions and have a shot at it and yeah. of course you know you have to earn your way and the, the way I earned it was I was lucky enough to be mentored, like you said, to by people who said, hey, you know, slow down, kid. You know, you need to learn some things or put some crayons in your crayon box, right? Mm -hmm. So I look back and I had my chapter as a coordinator and project manager, and I had an opportunity to be creative directors on certain projects. And then I got to lead people for the first time. Yeah. And, and then I got sort of whisked out of the agency life of, of Landmark and plopped into Paramount Parks. And that's where life really changed for me because I was an L.A. boy, you know, and just had my first child. And they said, how'd you like to move to Charlotte, North Carolina, where Kings <laughs> Entertainment used to be headquartered, yeah. right? <laughs> but the funny thing was I'd go to Charlotte to set up the new guest experience team. And all my business was back in L.A., because that's where Paramount Pictures yeah. was. But I got to build uh, or work with a wonderful team of people, and, and that's where I learned branding yeah. and the art and the nuance of IP, working with Viacom. You know, at that time, you know, Viacom had some pretty big brands going. They had MTV and uh, all the Paramount movies, and Nickelodeon was really going at it. And we, our job was to translate all the brands into these new parks that they acquired. Yeah. And uh, it was nonstop because, you know, it's five parks churning out attractions every year, for, you know, for eight or nine years. And I mean, what an interesting thing, because you have this kind of ragtag collection of parks that, you know, which, you know, I mean, for the listeners of the podcast know what a fan I am of those early Ira West, 70s kind of regional yeah. parks. A lot of them really did a great job of telling that local story, including Carowinds uh, in in your backyard at Charlotte uh, when you guys were there. Yeah. You know, uh, it was, but then it was wonderful. It, 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 I felt like I had the perfect scenario because I was kind of off the radar. You know, we were in Charlotte. Right. And we didn't have a whole lot of resources locally. <laughs> and the, the, the group was a regional theme park group. But then they had this studio that bought them and they were pointing the fingers at us saying, we need the brands in there like now. And so we made it up. 
Yeah. Right. And we kind of scanned what brands we could get. And of course, Nickelodeon became a good partner of ours. And we launched their whole theme park, a location based world yeah. through Paramount Parks right. and everything you see today. Yeah. You know, Nick Universe, all those names came yeah. from little Paramount Parks, you know, as it, as yeah, it began. In, in some cases, just a facelift to existing kiddie lands. Yeah. Right? And then, but the strategies of how to integrate the characters and, and knowing that the characters were going to be, you know, changed over time and how do you build things in brick and mortar that needs to be flexible. And, but, you know, I learned a lot about brand and IP management, right? It's, it, it's kind of like if you understand that you're being given somebody's baby. Mm -hmm. And if you can demonstrate to them that you're going to care for the baby and you understand the growth of this baby, <laughs> then they'll give you more yeah. ability to work with it. Yeah. And uh, that, that was a good learning lesson at that point in my life is how to, how to do that. It's, it's a real opportunity to, tr to be trusted. And then when you've gained that trust, people are willing to hand, yeah, hand well, off Yeah, well, we more. were able to do some crazy stuff. You know, we, we, we did the Outer Limits Flight of Fear, the first launch coaster. And we, we did silly things. You know, the, the Flying Super Saturator for Nickelodeon, I loved because I remember we were down at Carowinds and we had this idea about this ride where you could dump water on people. Because, you know, Nick was... You, all about the splash and goo and stuff. <laughs> so we got a coaster <laughs> that would bomb, wa drop water bombs on the people on the line below you, right? And and I remember with Dean Sheriff, so we'd ride on a, a coaster and throw buckets of water off to just see how it would trail behind and you know how much range we had, <laughs> and then we would translate that into the new design of this coaster. And you know, when I look back, it's all based on little experiences you had as a kid. Like I grew up in going to Disneyland, you know, every year with my family and we would kind of be horsing around sometimes on the yeah. skyway and, you know, maybe once in a while a little Coke would dump off the side on some people down below and we just remember how funny that was. Yeah. <laughs> now it was horrible looking back doing that but that was the inspiration of that ride yeah you got to give people permission <laughs> to do what the, you wanted to do as a kid yeah, we got to do it bigger so well you gotta uh, mel um we're looking at our watches you've got a flight to catch i'm gonna keep this uh, conversation going with anthony you're 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 free to go if you need to but uh we uh <laughs> well orlando's not that uh, yeah easy to get across. well we'll, we'll definitely uh, regroup we uh we have lots of mutual friends and uh, acquaintances so so glad to catch you well i could all right <laughs> yeah. fantastic care. so long mel have a great flight uh that's that's the way it is at iapa there's so much going Coming on and, going. and people have you know uh, it's it's been a real trip to be here this week and and to meet all these uh, wait, uh yesterday i went shopping for roller coasters i mean what a what a <laughs> amazing thing to to get to do so um so tell me about your time with SeaWorld. i mean i know that that is a, a major part of um your life your role and um yeah yeah a big impact. Yeah, I had the opportunity to get involved with a wonderful company. And I know there's maybe difference of opinions out in, in the world about um, the work that SeaWorld is doing. But I can tell you, having been on the inside and the outside, they do such great work. And um, I had just finished uh, working with Hershen Family Entertainment oh, for yes, several years. And um, Joel Manby, who was the Hershen CEO at that time, was asked to start a new team over at SeaWorld to help turn around the company. They had just encountered all sorts of PR issues and different uh, things that they had to grapple with after the Blackfish show. Yeah. 
and um, they decided that they needed a team to come in and sort of help map out a new future of, of attractions and a new voice and sort of make some big decisions on uh, how to, to move the company forward. So I, I joined that team mm-hmm. and uh, did that for a couple of years and uh, it, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's it's a tremendous story. I mean, it, it, it is a, a, a wonderful place. The idea behind just conserving and helping and and uh, serving sea life, um, making people aware, is really something that draws families. There, people are very the, curious. The, there is such a big um, base of people who love Sea World or love animals. Right. We'll we'll just say that. And uh, SeaWorld was, you know, the leader in, in animal care, but they had some difficulty in telling that story. Mm. And so what we had to do was really look behind the scenes a little bit and understand what was going on. And what we found was a solid base of wonderful, talented people who were caring for animals, but people didn't know. The face of SeaWorld to to the outside world was predominantly to come see their shows and to see animals perform. And also um, they were a little close to showing what was going on behind the scenes. So suspicion rose, blackfish happened, and suddenly they became the poster child for what not to do. And so it it was difficult. You know, I tell people it was Going in there, when we went in there, was tough going because everybody didn't like you. Yeah. And my kids would even say that their friends would tell them, your dad worked for SeaWorld. Yeah. You know, all those kinds of things. And and so what what we had to do is begin to tell a different story. Yeah. It wasn't to make one up. It was just to shine a light on what was really going on. So we did different things. We uh, First, we created a new voice of SeaWorld coming alongside you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of you coming to see us and our shows and the different things that we have, yeah. our wares, it was more of using our, our platform, our resources, our knowledge to come alongside, whether it was a child and helping them learn, coming alongside a teacher, helping give them the resources to, to motivate their kids, and, and all the way up the ladder to families and helping them get excited about going on vacation or aquaphiles who need more information yeah. to, to decide on their own and so we started cool events you know we we opened the back of the park and allowed you to go inside out and see for yourself where the orcas were fed and how the facilities were we we merged new ideas you know because it's what we do right we create attractions so we at the time we were exploring digital technologies on how to present these animal stories through digital means and one of them we did three different VR projects over time to just experiment and one of them was purposefully to show you what it was like under the water mm-hmm. with the orcas so you could see what they see and what they live yeah. and so we had the first 360 uh, 3D underwater virtual reality experience to to be with the orcas which was really magical uh-huh. we did this at San Diego and um you, you could just decide then. Yeah. You, you know, there yeah. was nothing to hide. Yeah. And, and so uh, we did uh, layers of paint of different kinds of things, nighttime events that brought a, a cooler brand to SeaWorld because they closed early at the time. Yeah. And it kind of, we scratched our head over that as, as a, and saw that as an opportunity to make 
SeaWorld more fun mm-hmm. and to stay later. So we created Electric Ocean, mm-hmm. the, the new event there, uh, which was glow and EDM music and all the mm-hmm. kind of cool stuff that uh, that the tradition that started a tradition tradition that they continue now. And then of course we started the attack on rides. Yes, you know, and, and as you know, it, there's a, a lead time on that. <laughs> so the early buttons were events, the messaging. The, the activities you can get involved with. And then that led fo- as a follow-up to really fun, cool rides like Mako yeah. and um, Sesame Place. We, you know, we, we, I use that as a great example of a validator of the branding mm-hmm. change that we made because Sesame was really particular yeah, about their brand. And we had to, um, you know, reconfirm our relationship with them. Yeah. Right. And, uh, after the discussion and the talk and the the, the, the purpose that we presented, mm-hmm. they believed in us as much as we did. Yeah. And so that led to Sesame Place and the parades and all the stuff that you see well, going on now. It makes sense, too, because they share your value of education. They, yeah, uh, the two kinder, brands. stronger. Yeah. And uh, in, in our case, you know, we our mission was focused by, by Joel and the team to protect animals and the wild wonders of our world. Yeah. It didn't say we we were in a theme park business. It didn't say it was all about rides and shows. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to pr- do that, we now had a platform to create really cool adventures yeah. on one aspect of it or another. Mm-hmm. And that's what we started to do, which included the master planning and the launch of SeaWorld Abu Dhabi, yeah. which is a whole different formula for SeaWorld yeah. that I can't talk about but it's <laughs> oh, shoot. very cool it, what's gonna what's going on in there and um, excited to see that flourish over time how do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears stories change lives they make us remember but only when they're felt and not just heard Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now, 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big idea's best ally. Talk to me about uh, your as a creative leader. Um, tell tell me about what it is to so leading teams um, is is such an important aspect to uh, to being a great leader, being a servant leader, being the type of person yeah. who listens and uh, changes, but who also isn't afraid to take risks. Talk to me about your leadership, uh, um, yeah, sort of philosophy. Well, you know, like we talked about, you know, you you earn your crayons in your box that you yeah. get to use for later. I I, I learned a big one when I was over at Hershend and that's the 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 power of building a strong culture yeah. a company culture and a culture in your own team 
And uh, that's built around servant leadership, which really is a, a simple idea that, you know, the normal pyramid of power, if you want to call it, yeah. bosses on top and he's got people below him and they've got people below them, all creating objects and things and efforts for the person above, yeah. it's turned upside down. Yeah. And the, the, the work is, uh, the, build, the, the power of building a culture, is, it was very simple. And it was based on simple things like, what are the logs in your road? Mm. Mm-hmm. And what is the wind in, the, in your back that I can give you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you talk to each of your staff mm. that way, and you just ask them those two questions. What are the things kind of holding you up? Yep. You know, what process that we don't do right or somebody's not cooperating or a thing that it, uh, is necessary to have happen. But then at the same time, ask, what is the wind in your back that I can help bring? Yeah. And that's intangible stuff that's very personal. Yeah. And it's, I, when I would ask those questions, sometimes I get an answer as simple as like, it'd be great if I had a bigger monitor. Yeah, or, right. or, or could I go to IAPA yeah. and see some of the stuff that some of the others get to see? And, but you have to be very diligent about it and track it and write it down and follow up. So in other words, you should, as a leader, know what the logs are and the wind that's necessary on each of your team. Mm. And then work on it. Yeah. That's what you do all day. Yeah, that's your job. Okay. Yeah. In other words, you're supposed to clear the way and help push them along and help them. Um, so it was that attitude and then doing it in a certain way. Um, we called it leading with love, which are all the dimensions of that, which mm-hmm. range from trust and humbleness and other things. Yeah. And that was our evaluation. And we talk about that. It's like, how trustworthy were you this year? And, yeah. You know, and, and honest. And it wasn't honest like, you know, lying or cheating on your budget or something. It was telling people the truth about their creative works yeah. or, you know, those, those Emotional, awkward, those awkward honest, things yeah. where you kind of wonder, you know, does anybody really ever tell you the true yeah. thinking about what you do and how you do it? So it, what it did is the politics meter just went way down. Yeah. Right. right? So after learning all that, you know, I was able to bring that to SeaWorld yeah. and, and other places. And it, it, it was to me, a light went on, which said, you know what, you know, in the themed entertainment industry, maybe it's time for the next level. Yeah. Right. And the next level, I kind of say it's like this, the story's over. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means we've been working for decades, first of all, to get our clients and each of us as industry people to understand that we're story driven, right? Yep. I mean, you asked 20 years ago, that was a new thing. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's right. And now we've got systems, we've got vendors and everybody kind of knows the language, kind of like the movie making industry a yeah. little bit, right? And we got that level one. So now to me, I feel like, all right, level two yeah. is purpose driven storytelling, mm-hmm. right? So... In Hershen, our purpose was to bring families closer together. Yeah. So, yeah, we had stories with different projects in different parks, and it was a Dollywood or so. But underneath it was, okay, how are we bringing a family together here? Yeah. What aspect of that or what story, part of that is going to happen here? Yeah. And we talked about it. And then at SeaWorld, the same thing. How are we going to help protect animals and the wild wonders of our world here? Yeah. So even on a roller coaster like Mako, the fastest coaster the fastest shark. Yeah. But we told the story of how sharks actually 
you know, get a bad rap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Jaws kind of worked against us a little bit here, yeah. giving us a little scare when really, you know, the sharks were being shark finned and, 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 and are dwindling in yeah. certain populations. So that was our mission on that ride. Yeah. And every ride, and even Sesame, you know, yeah. how do we help kids to be smarter and kinder? Yeah. You know, so when you add that extra purpose piece, yeah. the culture got really strong. Yeah. So no matter how, what was happening in the outside PR world, the sea world, we were together as a team feeling like we were kind of just needed time to tell the new story. Yeah. Right? And, and they're, they're doing a great job of rolling that out now. So, um, and so at Carnival, their purpose is fun. Yeah. You know, it's not drive revenues and different things. I shouldn't say that. It is. Yeah. So in case my boss is listening. Yeah, I, we do that. But, um, but fun is the dimension. But when you, when you ask, what's fun mean? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, isn't that what we all do? Yeah. You know, but we talk about it in different ways. And I, we had this interesting conversation the other day. Somebody said, well, you know, Eskimos have a hundred words for snow. Because that's their culture, right? I need to know if the snow's soft or fresh or strong enough to build an igloo or whatever it is. Right. And so we thought, you know what? We need more words for fun. And then that's what we're going to go do with all oh, our attractions yeah, and things, great. right? So that's where we're heading towards those kinds of things. Because sometimes it's for grandma and grandpa or the whole family or kids. And so fun has to have these different dimensions. And then you manifest it through our tools of compelling experience building yeah and so it's, it's been exciting to get going there well i just to put that finer point on that the the industry does talk about story i mean if you if you're not talking about story you aren't caught up I and mean, this that is the culture of the themed entertainment industry are we doing story and you said this to me a year ago i want to be thinking about how to make story lead to transformation for people. And, and that's what I hear you saying I is think really today, you know, you know, the decades roll by, right? Cause yeah. I've now I have the benefit of looking back at a couple and you know, the eighties were one thing, the nineties were another thing. And I think today people are wanting this. Yeah. They, they want jobs that fulfill them for one thing. So this is a job retainment strategy too. If I work for a place that has this extra dimension, I feel better about it. And I feel good about talking to my kids about it and my family. And, and when the going gets tough, I might stick around, yeah. right? At the same time, the world needs it, right? We have the power through storytelling. I'm going to say we're good at it. Yeah. So now can we make things happen with it yeah and not and, and i don't want to say there's no room for fluff and you know the popcorn of attractions absolutely that's what's because drawing people. sometimes you need to chill and relax but i think of any group of any industry we probably have more capability than we think mm. because we're the media industry that builds things and has software and media and entertainment and live performance, all this stuff. No other industry has that. Yeah. So we should be able to be the ones that can drive high, higher purposes into our work. Yeah. So I kind of say that to challenge all us creators out there to, to think about that. What is the purpose? And it's not to bring clarity to it. It's not to just say, oh, we're going to do it for this charity over here. Yeah. It's not. Right, right, it's right. It's not that. It's what underneath do you want to be st to stand for and to know or to be, and uh, 
you'll see some power in that if you go that yeah. way. Oh, that, that's super. So um, you, you, mentioned Car- uh, you mentioned Carnival and fun. You know, now you are in, uh, you've, you've changed positions recently and you are a part of what's really exciting, which is theme entertainment on the water. I mean, so how, how are, how's that transition going for you? Well, so far, so good. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, when this opportunity came up, um, I, I really thought, you know what, this is a, a, a neat category that uh, is very similar to our themed entertainment world, but mm. different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you live the experience here, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is something that Christine Duffy, our president, just talked about at her keynote at the general manager's breakfast the other day. Is this is one of the few industries where people are choosing to pay you to go on a vacation with you. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Whether true. you like it or not, you're, you know, you're with your waiter, or your stateroom attendant, or your cruise director. We're all in this together. <laughs> and we, if we, we build a company knowing that, that those interfaces, unlike theme parks where I'm there for the day or for the hour for the 10 minutes in my queue line. Yep. And I don't, I don't see those people again. Whereas in our world, I see them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One set of them. I see them, you know, in semi-intimate settings, you know, in my state room once in a while when, you know, when, when they, they prepare my, my, my room. Um, certainly the cruise director is there to make it fun and he has a team of people everywhere. And then for that matter, on top of that, we're trying to keep it safe. You know, we're taking you to foreign countries. Yeah. And so the, uh, the, what, what's really appealing to me is, you know, carnivals, um, one of their big goals is get first cruisers. Mm. You know, the industry is growing so fast and, and, and our issue is not filling cruise ships. You know, we focus on that. We have a machine behind that, but, Unlike the the resort industry, it's not about what's your occupancy level. These ships are full every yeah. time. Yeah, right. There's no ec- ec- empty rooms ever. Yeah. It, the, the way they, they gear the sails is there's always people in them. So now it's more about what can we offer you mm-hmm. to make your, your ex- experience wonderful. Yeah. So it's little excursions when you get to Cozumel or... Yeah. Aruba and or unique whatever it ones. is, and, or, or just to help you be safe to go explore on your own. We know it's um, short bursts of travel experiences. That's what cruising is. Yeah. But in exchange, you get a very convenient format. You, once you're on the ship, you don't have to worry about food and your luggage. And, you know, every up your window is something different every morning. So it's a, it's a good intro for many people to travel. Yeah. And, you know, international travel for that matter, or, or, or something you can do with your kids. It's one of the rare formats where you can really get your whole gigantic family together and see them when you want to and yeah, kind of hide right. in the corner Escape when you don't corner. need to, right? Yeah. But, but it's fun. So, yeah, that's, that's I just great. thought, you know, it's fertile ground to create experiences. Yeah. You know, food or dining or retail and uh, now roller coasters yeah, and other exactly. things. So. Yeah, I, 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 what's cool too is that there's just as much secrecy around uh, the attractions on a new ship as there is oh, yeah. uh, uh, in parks. And I know you guys have some something up your sleeve coming with uh, a new ship coming soon. So I mean, it's just, it's really cool to see uh, you, you and hear your story and, and especially as the leadership factor goes. Your leadership quotient is high. You've learned about uh, leading people well, serving them first 
first. And uh, it it sounds like you'd be a fun guy to work for. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's it's if you create the right environment, everybody has fun because that's what we're supposed to be in the business doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 Hershen taught me this too. Is you know, you, your guests can't have more fun than you're having as an employee. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you're crabby or you're not happy, well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if, whether you're on the front line or you're the guy creating the the attractions and things it'll be tempered if you don't get that right yeah so you know you got to balance between guest experience and your financials and your goals and strategies and your people Mm -hmm. your employees and how you're going to operate as a culture so you you have to do those three and a lot of companies they kind of favor one over the other sometimes Uh and that's where you get into trouble yeah i have i got a bootleg copy of uh hershen family values which is like their employee uh book (laughs) and um you just you really do you you shouldn't even feel like it's bootleg because they want to get that out there oh good 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 good, good. Uh, you know the whole idea is to you're not going to find it get an industry thing thinking about purpose and things like yeah, that so yeah we love that and i i just had the pleasure of meeting jack hirsch and uh in this meeting just a second ago that's kind of kind of awesome yeah well thank you anthony this is a real pleasure i'm sorry mel couldn't hang out for the rest of it but i'll uh, see him I, next week yeah sometime. we'll see him we'll see him hopefully he's flying over us right now made his plane <laughs> well thank you so much looking My forward pleasure. to having you on again great thank you yeah, it's fun to listen to uh, Anthony talk about this stuff. He's passionate about um, applying a purpose to the storytelling. You really got a sense of that when he's talking about uh, transforming the messaging of SeaWorld, transforming um, and and pushing on the 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 message that happens at at Hershend or uh, now with Carnival. Um, he he sees storytelling as yes, the step that we needed to take in this industry, but he sees it as more of that. We've mastered it. Now, a good story should include a deeper, more lasting purpose. So how do, they, how do we in this industry take that next step, Mal? How do we step from story to transforming a guest? Well, for me, I've always seen it as pretty natural because really that is what great stories are, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about the the hero's journey, when you talk about, uh, you know, a lot of our fa- favorite movies, uh, you know, stories that really kind of stick with us when you yeah. leave the theater, for example, in, in film, um, you know, you're always talking about these journeys of transformation, right. um, whether it's Neo in the Matrix, whether it's Luke Skywalker, you, you name it, right? Yeah. It's Lord of the Rings. Um, and so the idea that uh, you could, would take a guest on that journey of transformation, um, I think is kind of a natural, you know, thing of, of true storytelling. Um, and, you know, the applications to um, not only theme park uh, environments, you know, say Pandora, for example, right. um, and you're, you're trying to create that, restore that broken connection between man-made and uh, God or nature-made, and you're trying to re- reconcile <laughs> these yeah. these things that have been in conflict for so long. Uh, and again, whether that's applied to that entry Garden of Eden type environment, whether it's applied to this alien landscape right. uh, in Pandora, uh, when we're working with museums and nonprofits uh, and causes, again, like Poverty uh, Encounter with uh, Children's Hunger Fund uh, or any uh, nonprofit. Uh, museum or aquarium, you know, again, quite often there is that higher 
missional uh, cause or any goal that that whole organi- organization's about. Uh, they, for them, the only reason they need to charge anything is just to be sustainable. They're not yeah, trying right. to uh, line shareholders or investors' pockets. Uh, and again, a lot of guests are going to have a natural affinity for that same cause. I think it's in our wiring, in our DNA to yeah. kind of make the world right, make it better. Uh, and if we can have fun while we're doing it, why not? That's just <laughs> a bonus. So, uh, I, you know, I think um, there is this natural evolution. I mean, it kind of ties in with Maslow's hierarchy, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, of just surviving versus really emotionally, spiritually, intellectually thriving. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a point where you just want to take that next step of having a little bit more significance and answering some of the whys uh, of life. And to do that with the people you love, uh, with your, your friends, uh, even with strangers, you know, look across an eyeball and to, to be in sync. I think, um, again, beyond just sharing that momentary adrenaline rush, you know, when you, you know, you pull into the station from a great roller coaster, (laughs) have no problems with that. That's awesome. But again, why not uh, couple that with, uh, you know, experience uh, that, uh, that, uh, again, changes you or changes the world. I think uh, that's something that people are hungry for. Yeah, it was really a pleasure to listen to Anthony talk about that. And uh, I'm just honored to be part of this um, next phase in the themed attraction industry. Well, Mel, we've landed at lots of ports of call on this trip. Uh, I, for one, would feel good to get back to my little riverboat back home. Until we sail again, thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. We're so grateful you took the time to listen to our show. Seriously, over the past 21 episodes or so, we've heard from so many of you, met you in person or online, telling us how much the show means to you. Well, you mean a lot to us too. Truly you do. Would you do us one more favor and leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts? This helps us get the word out and share the show with so many more creative people like you. We want to thank our guest, Anthony Esparza of Carnival Cruise Lines. Congrats on that big new boat, Anthony. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com, an insider's look at theme park design by theme park designers. Start your own profile, discuss the latest creative advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at themedattraction, and join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is the author of Podcast Audio, a new book that helps you take your podcast production to the next level. Microphones that work, room acoustics, recording tricks, and producing a polished show file. Those all combine to create world-class podcast audio you can be proud of. Buy it now on Amazon or at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry truly is an animal lover. Every time he encounters a family of primates, he can't help giving them names of their own. There's Pat Baboon, Debbie Baboon, Daniel Baboon, and of course their hairdresser, 
Vidal Baboon. Thanks for listening, folks.